Welcome to Bioinnovator Spotlight at Life Science Org, where we listen to the life science leaders of tomorrow tell their story and discuss their challenges as founders and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, scientist turned communicator, Dr. David Kirk. Let's meet today's founder. I'm joined this week by Janendra Ekanayake, co-founder and CEO of Quetz, based in Imperial College in London in the UK. Janendra, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. It's great to be invited to join you, David. Uh, please tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into life science. So I come from a medical family and I grew up around um, in hospitals. So I was always very aware of looking after patients and being mm. there for them. And I wanted to do what my mum and dad did, essentially. So I always wanted to be a doctor mm. because I liked the way they, they lived. Um, and actually, living, we live right next to the hospital. And I kind of liked the fact that the hospital and, and home was almost one continuous spectrum. Yeah. I never felt enclosed or, or um, uh, claustrophobic at all. And that, so I knew early that I wanted to do medicine and I was fascinated by the brain when I, I picked up a book, I think it's called Tell Me Why, the book series is pretty much finished. But, mm. um, and there was a focus on the brain and the pituitary gland, um, which completely captured my imagination. And I knew early that I was interested in the brain. Um, and so when I got to about 16, 17, and I was doing my A-levels, I was starting to think about whether I want to be a, medic, a medical doctor, a surgical doctor. My dad's a surgeon. And I, I like to imagine that my hands are as good as his. He's got great sort of dex, dexterity and mm. technical skills as a surgeon. So I wanted to combine those two things. And so life sciences became a thing about exploring the frontier of the brain as well as incorporating the doing that comes with surgery mm. and those things sort of culminated in neurosurgery yeah that's very interesting and how did you get involved with um, imperial college then and, and what made you decide to found a company so that's a great question it's an interesting story too um i co-founded the company with two other engineers um one of them is a guy called tim constantini um mm. And it's quite a fortuitous sort of relationship that grew between us. I was introduced to him while I was doing my PhD. Mm. Uh, and we had a meeting where we never spoke to each other. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the bosses in the meeting were doing all the talking, but I pretty much sat next to him. And then um, we, we were talking about brain-computer interfaces. So we have a shared interest and sort of a dedication and commitment to developing BCI technology. And quite separate from that first meeting several years ago, I saw him present a beautiful presentation on brain-computer interfaces, and I reached out to him. He invited me to do a presentation in his lab, and we started working together. And years, sort of a year into knowing him, he was like, I just found an email with your name on it from five years ago. And that basically recollected the fact we'd actually already met once before. And as we got to know each other, we had a lot of um, sort of casual conversations around science, which triggered ideas. Ah. And two of them found shape and form in, in surgical tools, mm. one of which was a mechanical innovation around a, a handle, and one uh, was a, a sort of electronic innovation, which is his expertise, around applying it to differentiating tissue. Mm. So that, that triggered off work 
and then funding, and finally a company spin-out based on patented technology, or rather patent-pending or patent-applied technology. So that's how we, and that's what led to the company being spun out or um, in the process of being spun out from Imperial. Wow, oh, that's so interesting. That's so funny that you would have been in touch before. That was a five-year yes. <laughs> five gap. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and he gets me and I, I get him and I hope, well, he, I would say he's a lot smarter than me, but <laughs> what I like about Tim is that he's easy to work with, very fluent in not just engineering, but he's able to talk to me as a clinician and we're able to spin ideas between us quite quickly and smoothly. Mm. So that facilitates, it, it makes it easy to work with him, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, which has been a strong part of the company, I'd say. That makes sense. And you, you've talked about surgical tools. Uh, is this the field that you're focusing on now with the company? And what's the major challenge yeah. there? Yeah, so the challenge we're seeking to meet is the development of ergonomically appropriate or optimized or near-optimized surgical handheld tools. Mm. And then integrating it with the next generation. So it's not just making it feel good, but it's also trying to get handheld tools to, to address key key areas of need. So mm. point of care imaging is a massive, massive area of need because on one hand we have ultrasound handheld ultrasound machines which provide you with a degree of look through see-through imaging but are quite operator dependent and the quality of the images are quite are relatively um uh, there's a bit of work around improving it and then on the other side we have mr scanners which are very detailed but expensive and you know not accessible by people all over the world so there needs to be somewhere something in the middle where you have high something which is quite high tech or, or, or implements high technology uh, um, but could be scaled and delivered on the field in a rural setting or even in a, in a you know developed country but outside the hospital mm -hmm. so that's what i'm trying to address with the company is handheld surgical tools which borrows some of my Hand, my hands-on knowledge of it as being an operating neurosurgeon, mm. but then starts to look into robotic trajectories and the application of more advanced sciences like photonics and bioimpedance to differentiate tissue and to offer a handheld tool. And I think that's, that's the focus of our company at the moment, the development of next-generation handheld tools. Mm. I'm immediately man uh, imagining like... Um handheld MRI machine, yeah, <laughs> which, which sounds really cool, but uh, presumably is a while away. Yeah, it's, I mean, a handheld, so they've got portable, they, there is a company that's developed sort of a, a low strength uh, portable MR scanner yeah. called Hyperscanner or something, I've forgotten the name, but it's, it's in process, but what, you know, a portable MR machine is still a box yeah. and probably reasonably heavy, heavy box. Hmm. What we want is something that a bit Star Trek-like, so yes. the would be very close to Star Trek, where you hold the device that's going to do the surgery mm. next to the patient, it scans the patient, it produces the image for you, you see where the pathology is, and then the tool becomes also the instrument that delivers the treatment. Wow. That is, that's Star, the that's that the is Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that is Star Trek. And I, but, you, need, you need a vision, because I, I, I think that's one of the things that, 
having access and exposure to successful founders, they do have visions. Yeah. And you almost need a grand vision mm -hmm. in order to do the work to get you halfway there. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not just for the sake of this podcast, but there's a very famous Red Indian quote, which I try to tap into always, which is, um, he who would have a vision must be like an eagle and follow the deepest blue in the sky. And I think that for, that for me, that's a very good template for my vision of the company. We have something, it's going to be useful and it's going to be beautiful. Mm. And we must be committed to that no matter what. That's, that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think as, as certainly from the leadership perspective and I'm kind of sticking with the leadership perspective, what, uh, you say you're spinning the company out at the moment. What is your biggest challenge as the co-founder and CEO? Uh -huh. What? So let me pick my challenges. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's keeping you up at night? <laughs> uh, so I, I think I think you know the, the world is challenged enormously at the moment by, I guess, the axis of disease and and the environment and go good governance and good government. And so what I think at the center of that, there's a funding challenge, which is, which is you know, it scales to households all the way to large VCs. Mm -hmm. And so attracting money is a, a challenge for a founder. And you, I always feel like you don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. um, and you always need money to get money. So it's always, there is a bit of a, there is a bit of a sort of a, gravitational pull around this need for money. So that's a big challenge, I think. Mm. Um, on the other hand, what I do like about the business world is there's a degree of honesty about what you need and what people can give. So you you ask directly and you get told directly. Mm. And if they give it, if you get money, you're also told what they want from you, mm. which I, quite, I, I do like that sort of clarity. Uh, it's quite different uh, to the medical world. And the scientific world, where, where there can be quite a bit of ambiguity. Uh, you've already mentioned a couple of books to me, but um, are there uh, any books that you would recommend to founders out there, or would you like to elaborate on the ones you've mentioned so far? I, you know, I go from highly technical neurosurgical books, which mm. I read for the purposes of the work that we do, mm. and or a robotics book, or you know, bioimpedance book, and then I'll 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 be completely into science fiction. So I think what I look for in books is characters I can relate to, but also characters that I would like to emulate. Mm. So I'm not going to give you a straightforward answer. I'm not going to say this is a book that every founder should read. But for someone who's on a journey which is going to be challenging and self-belief is going to be important, um, which I think is that probably encapsulates every founder's journey. Mm. A very good book is Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Mm. Um, and I, I think what it, the nice thing about this book, which belongs to a series of four books, is that it demonstrates the need to have a vision, which not everyone else is going to necessarily understand, but it will make sense at the end of it. Your commitment to the vision is important, and even if no one else knows what it is you're working towards, you must be very clear in your head. And your commitment to that must be quite unfailing because I think along the way, there'll be many reasons to give up. And it's about making sure you don't. No, that's a great point. 
Janendra, thank you so much for joining me on Bioinnovator Spotlight. And I hopefully uh, we will chat again soon. Perfect. Nice talking to you, Dave. Are you a life science CEO in Europe? Go to lifescienceorg.com, where you can connect, share, and engage with a community of your peers. We have a platform just for early stage founders too. You can join there at nextgen.lifescienceorg.com.